I tell you, I love that song. I remember the first time that I sang it, I was with a group of men from our church. We were at a conference, and um, after singing that song, we just said, we've we got to bring that back to our church and sing it uh, with our body. And so uh, I, do, I do enjoy it. Many things are on my heart this morning to pray about, and I want to, just, I want to highlight a few, and, and I know that there are a lot of others that we could share, but I just want to mention these. Um, first of all, I'll be praying for Bill and Gaynor Hearn's son-in-law, Dallas. Um, he has uh, a lot of medical issues right now, and I uh, pray that God would, would work in his life, and, and uh, if it be his will to spare his life for some more time. Um, good to see Bonnie Kisner back there. Hey, Bonnie. Good to see Bonnie. Be praying for Bonnie. She has some tests and some things that she has coming in the future. And um, see Bill Grove back there. Be praying for Becky. I know you guys have some medical things that are happening right now. Just as we're singing these songs and just the Lord is just prodding people to my mind to pray for. And I know there's others. And it's all, you always take a risk when you list a few people because you, you forget about somebody. But um, it's not my heart to forget. It's just I trust God has prodded us to pray together for a few individuals. So let's go to the Lord and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit, Lord. You actually tell us in your word that we don't know how to pray. Your spirit prays for us. Wow, that's beyond our understanding. But we live by it. Lord, now as we open up your word, the inspired word, your inspired word, God, I pray that our hearts would be open and that we would hear you, and that we would respond, and that as your Spirit challenges us, that we'd be faithful. You're so good to us, Lord. We thank you for the truth that we have here in front of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you would open up your Bible with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. We've been doing a small study here, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to really finishing out the rest of this chapter and going into chapter 4 uh, in the next couple of weeks. As we get closer to the Christmas season, by the way, we're going to put the book of 1 Corinthians away, and we're going to flash back into the Old Testament a little bit. Looking forward to that. Been studying on that even right now. And um, I would encourage you, in the next probably couple days or weeks, you're going to get a, um, another link to our podcast. Yes, we're firing it back up. So if you've missed us, um, it will be in your email box soon, and there we'll be focusing on some truth from the Old Testament as well. So I'm looking forward to that. You guys look really well rested today. Did you enjoy that extra hour? Isn't it awesome how your phone takes care of it for you? There's all these warnings, you know, move your clock, move your clock. I did nothing, and this morning the phone just took care of it. Thank you, phone. I appreciate that. And this morning, isn't it weird how on this day you, it's, you have a hard time getting to church on time? Does anybody else have that problem? You got an extra hour, and I'm still like running around. Just me, just me. Okay. Well, yesterday was a beautiful day, and um, so what my wife and I decided to do, we got up really early, as we always do, and kind of got our things all ready to roll, and we took off uh, in the, into the interior of West Virginia, and we took a long ride um, on Corridor H. Anybody know this road? The old route, is it 48, I think is what it is? I can't remember right now, or 46 or something like that, and this, so what this, road, what, this, what this highway does is you go down south below Winchester and you kind of turn west and you go in the direction. It's going towards Route 79 on the other side of the state. It's not going to get there, um, but it ends right now in a small little town called Davis. And let me tell you, it's one of the most beautiful rides that you could ever have. 
one of the things my family likes to do is we like to go and look at beautiful things and take hikes and rides and that kind of thing. And as Nancy and I are riding down Corridor H yesterday, we said, this is honestly just as pretty. It's just as beautiful as anything we've seen in the, the upper northeast of the country or the, the far southwest or the far, the far northwest. It's, it's, this, this tops it all. It's beautiful. It was a nice bright sky, and the leaves were, were, were mostly turned, and it was just gorgeous. And so we, we're, we're, you know, when you travel on Corridor H, you're up on this mountain, and, you, and you're, just, you're going over these beautiful mountain ranges and everything. And, and there in a the distance, we see the small little dot on a map called Moorefield. Who knows Moorefield? Anybody ever been to Moorefield? Oh, yeah, okay. All right, I grew up very near Moorefield. I used to, my dad and I would, would load the canoe in the back of the truck and we would travel to Moorefield and we'd get on the south branch of the Potomac and we'd float the Romney. If, that, if anybody knows those towns, we would float the, the trough section of the, of the south branch of the Potomac together. And here was the interesting thing. As we looked out in the distance, we could see this little valley and down in the middle of all of those clouds, there's a town there. Where we are remarking at the beauty that we're seeing. I mean, we could see for miles. Several times we'd pull over and, you know, try to take a picture, a selfie, Nancy and I, you know, smiling. It doesn't do it justice. You, you, can't, you can't get it to work with that little camera. And, and, and you're almost frustrated when you see it. But, but I think that's just the design of the Lord as we, as we see his creation and, and we're just moved in our hearts. But the thing that struck us as we exited off a of quarter H and we drove down into Moorefield, you had to get some gas, some M&Ms maybe. Um, you know, that's always good to add our M&Ms. So, you know, and it had to get a couple things. And the thing that, that struck us as we were down in Moorefield is they have no idea how beautiful it is. In the middle of Moorefield yesterday at about 10 o'clock, to them it was, it was foggy and it was cloudy and it was, a, it was a dreary day. You couldn't, I mean, it was, it was tough. To, you had to put on your lights to even just remain safe going down the road. We got out at Sheets to get some gas and, and you can barely see across the, across the road there. It was so foggy. And, and Nancy and I were talking, this is such a picture of us in Christ if we aren't careful. If, if, we, if we aren't careful as followers of Jesus, the things that press all around us, the, the everyday things that become like blinders on your eyes can so snuff out the vision that we can have of our great God and the purpose He has for us that all we are able to see at that moment is the cloud, dreary, almost maybe going to rain, what's going on kind of day that we experience. So here's what we did. We, we, when we left Moorefield, okay, we went back up on Corridor H, and we, and we go back up this mountain. This is, I mean, Corridor H is like a roller coaster, okay? And we go back up this mountain, and I see on the left-hand side one of those emergency truck ramps where you go, you know, if you lose your brakes, you go up, and, and it keeps you from, you know, dying and that kind of thing. I said, we're going up there and taking a picture. So we turned around on the, on the Corridor H, and we drove all the way up that emergency exit ramp and stood at the very top and snapped that photo right there as a reminder 
that we must rise above. We must lift our eyes above the things of our lives and see what God is doing and what God has done. You know, there's a, there's a call for us to invest our lives in many things. You've got work calling for you all the time. You've got materialism calling for you all the time. Success and advertisers and, and the things that money will bring and the greed that lives in us. And it's calling for us to invest in now, to live for now, to experience now. And if that's where we stay, if that's where we keep our vision, if that's where we keep our eyes on the thing that's pressing on us at the very moment and not see our great God, there is great discouragement there. And there's struggle and heartbreak as God calls you to himself. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I believe this is part of what God is trying to do in our lives as God's Spirit now has inspired His Word and shared it with us today in written form, there's a call here to lift our eyes above the everyday dealings of life and to see the bigger picture. I want to read verses 10 through 15 with you. Um, I'm learning that I take longer to get through this than what I expect. So my plan was to cover all of these today, but instead we're going to get about halfway through. All right, so we're going to start at verse number 10. And you follow along with me in your Bible. I think I have it for the screen. Yes, good. Here's what it says. Paul writes this. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold or silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. I tell you, this is a fantastic passage of Scripture for us today. And, and, and my main point that I want us to get today is I want us to realize that God has called us. He has called you into his plan, into what God is doing that there is a broad and great plan of what God is doing on this earth with people. And he has called you and has invited you to his plan. And it is here that you will finally fulfill the purpose God has for you. All other purposes are a lie. And it's run by false shepherds, by wolves, quite honestly, that only want to use you and abuse you and take advantage of you. 
every other, every other one or individual or, or group of people who's calling for you to invest in them and in what they offer are liars. It is God that has called you, called you to what he's doing, called you to his great, grand plan. And if you're in Christ today, if you know Jesus as your Savior, if you have looked to the cross of Christ as your finished forgiveness, it is there that you are forgiven. See, what happens is God does a miracle in you. He does a miracle in you. He rebirths you. You are a new creature. Your old ways are gone. And behold, you're brand new. And that sounds well and fine. That sounds good. But let me just tell you a little hint about this new you. When God rebuilds you, when God remakes you, when God reborns you, nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will do. He changes your taste buds in life. That's why it is that you look around, you see other people who seem to be so content, who seem to be so fine, godless. You've been reborn. You've been remade. You, you're a whole new creature. You can try to pound yourself, circle as you are, into a square hole, but it isn't going to fit. You don't fit anymore here. You're part of God's building. That's what Paul does here in verse number 10. He's going to show us what this new call is. He's going to use a metaphor. He's been doing that, okay? He's been doing that. If you look at verse number 9, you can see these three metaphors that he used. First, he said, we are God's fellow workers. And we talked about this, that this is people working together in a synergistic relationship, that together they accomplish more than they ever would on their own, but they're all equally following God. That was the first metaphor. The second metaphor that God used here, as the Spirit of God enabled and inspired Paul to write this, is he said, we are like God's field. We are God's field. We talked about that, that this means that we take time sometimes to, to grow and to mature. A field, you don't plant a field and then the next day reap. That's not how it works. You got to put that seed in the ground and let it die there. You let it die in the ground. And then as time goes by and it's watered, it breaks through the ground. It's just a tiny little stalk for a little while. And then it grows into maturity. And then we look at a field in all of its grandeur. It says, this is who you are. You are God's field. That he's patiently growing into maturity. But now Paul changes gears, if you might, into a new metaphor. And he says that we, that you are, that is, you are God's building. You are God's building. All I'm going to get to talk about today is verse number 10. Now we're going to jump off to a couple of the places, but let's just read it for review. He says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. And someone else is building upon it. Now let each one take care 
how he builds upon it. What Paul is doing here is he's kind of cracking open his heart and letting us see the heart of a follower of Christ, of a leader in God's discipling plan, of a man or a woman that's investing their lives in what God is doing. This is the heart of a man or a woman who's committed to what God is doing in lives. A man or a woman that has invested their life in God's plan. He opens up his heart to us. This is one of the most personal, biographical books of the whole Bible, quite honestly. First and Second Corinthians. We see the heart of Paul And when we look at the heart of Paul, we're looking at the heart of a true follower of God. What should be true of us? In 11.1, Paul will say, you follow me as I follow Christ. So we look at Paul as a model, an exemplar, the picture of what we're to really work into our lives. And the first thing I want you to see, he says, I'm building like a skilled master builder. Now, let's talk about that just a little bit. Again, this is Paul's kind of using a metaphor, okay? And you know the word master builder. You actually know that word. It's the Greek word, you ready for this? Architect. That's what it is. It's an architect. Paul uses the word literally architect, and that's where we get our word for architecture. He says, a skilled master builder. The word skilled there is the word wisdom or wise. So Paul says, God has enabled me, God has called me to, to build up the body of Christ like a building, like a building I'm working. He says, you are God's building. Now think about a building. We know a lot about a building, all right? We know what a building is. A building is something that somebody plans out what they're going to do. They, they draw up plans and, and they, they construct this thing with a purpose. With a purpose. To my knowledge, nobody builds a building with no purpose, right? You don't just wake up somewhere and say, oh, I think I'll build this and then build it. That's not, that's not what happens. When we went through the process of, of investigating building on the property over Spring Mills, We spent literally years thinking about what might we build. Paul here says, I'm like, I have built like a wise architect. So here's what we need to see. That that when God puts together the church, now he's when he says building here, you need to know that he's using plural words. You plural are God's building. He's not talking about you or you, or you, you, or you. He's talking about us. Church in Corinth, you all, we might say in West Virginia, are God's building. Think about what that means for us. God puts together these these buildings on purpose. God, God designs us. You're not here by accident. You're not here because your parents go here, because a friend goes here, because this is the place that you happen to show up this morning. God is fastening together. He's, he's fashioning this building that he's putting together. The building is a tool for a purpose, and this purpose is not really about us. It's about God. 
in what it is that he is doing. So the call here as we look at this, this building is that we are called to fulfill God's purpose of, of taking the gospel to our community, to the place where we live, where we function, where we operate. This is who we are. It's awesome to be part of something bigger than you. See, if life is just you, if life is just you, it might sound attractive. It might seem like it'd be pretty neat if you could do whatever you wanted to do. Just get up in the morning, take care of yourself, and just, just you know, invest in your thing for this day. That, that can sound kind of, especially when you get really, really busy, right? That can be like, man, I'd love to just take care of me a little bit. No. That's cloudy, more-field thinking. Nothing is more-field, by the way. I love that town. This fits for this illustration. That's, that's cloud thinking. Come above and see. See the bigger picture. Listen, this is the invitation. I can't make you do this. I can't, nobody can make you decide to respond to God's call. This is an invitation. And that's here in the passage. Look, look with me. Look what Paul says at the very beginning of verse number 10. He just drove right by it, just like me. He didn't even think about it. But look what he says. According to the grace of God given to me, Paul says, I built this building. I was part of building this building. This, this, this is important for us to understand. This is God's invitation to us to not invest in this world, but to invest in God. And that invitation is only by grace. It's by grace. Here's what this means for you and I. God didn't look at you and say, you know what? You're pretty smart. You're a nice looking guy. You're pretty fast. You're really, really, you know your theology. Oh, you've got good personal skills. Why, you can build and you can make and you can set up chairs. My, you are really, a, you have a lot to offer. I think I want you in my building. Mm-mm. No, absolutely not. Reject that thinking. It is only by grace that we are even invited to what God is doing. God doesn't look at you and say, oh, you have a lot to offer. I think I want him or her on my team. Uh Uh-uh. God uses the weak things of the world. God uses the broken things, the things that are not, the things that have no wisdom, the things that have no intelligence. God uses the empty-brained people, is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The empty brains. That's who God uses. So when God invites you, to be part of his building and to be part of the process of what he's doing. It's by grace. The same way that you're saved, you receive the invitation to be part of what he's doing. You and I were not saved because we were good. You weren't saved because you were going to be good. You weren't saved because of what you offered or what you potentially could offer. You were saved by grace alone. I don't know why. I don't pretend that I can understand the mind of God. No way, no how. But God in his grace before the foundation of the world looked forward and called to you. 
and said, come be my child. Come. I'll die for you. Be mine. It's the same way with his invitation to what he's doing. Paul says, I'm a master builder. I'm an architect. So by grace, but it's nothing that I bring to the table. And not only that, see this as well. Look what else he says. Like a skilled master builder, he's this. He laid a foundation, and he's going to tell us that that's Jesus Christ. We'll deal with that a little bit next week. But, and then he says, and someone else is building upon it. Not only is it the invitation by grace, but the true person who's investing in what God is doing, they need no credit. They don't need any credit. Look what Paul says. I built, I established this foundation. As the chief architect, I, I'm the one that laid this foundation of the church in Corinth. He literally did this. Paul literally came to Corinth and, and was there as the first believers were coming to follow Christ. And then he was discipling men and women in the church. And they rose up into leadership. And they stepped out and were teachers and leaders and servants. He literally did this. And then he says, and somebody else is building upon it. And that's okay. That's not the way the world operates. You build something, you want credit for it, right? You, you design something, you want your name on the side of that wall. You want a brick with your name on it. You want people, you want a plaque when, it, when you walk in. You know, we dedicate this to the memory of or to whatever of this person. That's the way the world operates. That's not the way the follower of Christ operates. That's not how a person responds to his call operates. That person says this, it never was about me anyway. It never really was about me. It was always about Christ. He's always been the foundation. Oh, I, by God's grace, might have got to be there and be part of the process of building this thing, but it was never about me anyway. It was always about him. I need no legacy. I need no credit. I need no name on the wall. I don't need any of that. Let somebody else build on it. As long as it points to Jesus. This is the call of Christ. This is the call on your life. This is what it looks like when you stand on top of the mountain and look down at the foggy valley. I'm only invited by grace. I'm laying a foundation. And somebody else can build upon it because it all points to Jesus anyway. You know, we say this a lot around here that we point to Jesus Christ in his word. And we, we, didn't, we didn't come up with that just because it happened to be in the word center point. By the way, did you ever put that together? Oh, I never noticed that. Yeah, that, but that wasn't the reason. That wasn't the reason. You know, many of us have been to Hershey Park, right? You've been to Hershey Park? Many of us have. Okay. When I was about in sixth grade, I went and, and rode the super duper looper. What, what an event that was, Okay. This little 12-year-old boy travels all the way to Hershey, Pennsylvania and rides on the Super Duper Looper. And, you know, you go under and your head goes to the ground and you rock it all over the place. Remember that? I mean, it was awesome. I just stand out in my mind so, so starkly even today. You know what doesn't stand out in my mind? Like, I can't remember at all. Not one sign that pointed the way. 
Do you? Do you remember any signs that said Hershey Park, you know, 12 miles, exit 37? Do you remember that? Do you remember a sign that said Hershey Park this way? Do you remember that? No. What do you remember? Super duper looper. That's what you remember? Not the sign. Not the sign. The sign just points. The sign just points. God is building a building. The church. Be encouraged. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Any church might fail. That happens all the time. Individual local bodies, they close up all the time. But the church of Christ will prevail. If God waits 10,000 years, there will be believers gathered together, worshiping him, telling the community that they're in about him. There will be. There will be a church because it's going to prevail. But the sign, those get tore down and thrown in the trash all the time. And they're okay with that. The sign never complains. Now I want to I get a little more maybe personal on you for just a couple things here, kind of added pieces to this. I want, I want to talk about, so we're, we're, we're looking at that God called us, but I want to just point out really two sets of two things about God's call. And I, I've got to branch off of this passage to another one. I think I have this for the screen for you. Um, the first one you're going to find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8. You can turn there in your Bible if you'd like, or you can read it on the screen. And, and let's look here, using Paul as a test case for, for how it is that he responds to this call. What does the respond of call look like? What, what, what do they do and how does, it, how, does it, how does it operate? Here's what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians. Another church that Paul was influential in the very start of. He says this. So being affectionately desirous of you. Paul writes to the believers in a town called Thessalonica. That's where we get the term Thessalonians. The name of the town was Thessalonica, and there was a church, a body of believers there. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you the gospel of God. Period. Is that what it says? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. See, that's not the way that God builds his building. That's not the way he does it. God just, he doesn't call his believers just to share the gospel with people. He doesn't call his believers, doesn't call his followers just to share truth. Nope. It's not how he does it. He says, we're ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you had become very dear to us. Two things I want you to see here, just as we talk about responding to this call of God, two things that we must understand about what it looks like as we point. What it will always look like as we point. If these things aren't there, you're not pointing. You're not pointing when these two things are not there. The first one I want us to see is that it is always, it will always include 
a relational aspect, that he is relationally with people. He is loving them. See, he's affectionately desirous towards them. He doesn't just give them the gospel. He gives them his own self. Here I am. I'm here. Take me. Be with me. Use me. Be affectionate. He cares for them. They care for him. He loves them. They love him. He opens up his heart to them. They open up to him. And the second thing, just briefly, is that it's always sacrificial. It's always sacrificial. Do not think for a second that for Paul, it was easy for him to open up his heart for relationship. See, it's easy to look at Paul or to look at somebody else in your life and you think, oh yeah, it's easy for them. They're relational. Don't do that to yourself. Don't lie to yourself that way. You know what the relationship brought Paul? They beat him up in Thessalonica. He ran, he ran for his life out of Thessalonica. You know what they did? A group of people got together, they got a posse together, and they rode to the next town, and they beat him up there too. Don't tell me that that was just natural for Paul. Don't tell me he was just a relational kind of guy. Uh-uh. No. This is part of the new birth. It's part of the new way, the new creature. When you respond to God's call to be part of what he's doing in this world, it's going to be relational. And it's going to be sacrificial. Listen, that is counterculture in our world today. I know that. It's countercultural. But resist it. Resist the flesh that says, take care of you and you're four and no more. Resist the part of the flesh that says, close the garage door, go in the house. I'll come out tomorrow morning, not speak to anybody. Resist that. That's not the nature of God. You say, why do you say that? Jesus didn't just show up and die. I mean, could he have? In all of your theological understanding, could Jesus just showed up in 30 A.D. and just died and that would count as the forgiveness of sins? Would, would that be okay? As far as I know, that, that would be fine. That's not what he did. It's not what he did. He came and related. He incarnated. He became part of us. Like his brothers, Hebrew 2 says. It's relational. It's sacrificial. So you can think about that. You can think about responding in one of those two ways. And then one more thing about this call, because I didn't want this just to be a broad idea. I wanted us to think about this specifically. And so now we're going to look at another quick passage, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. And the reason why I wanted to go to this one today is because it's easy to think of Paul or somebody else that we have elevated in our minds and we've thought, you know, maybe it'd be some big name in Christianity, maybe it'd be some person that's had some influence in your life, and we look at them, we think, well, they are exactly what it's supposed to look like when we respond to God's call. So maybe you really like John Piper, and you say, well, I want to respond to the call. That means I need to write a book like every single year. I need to, you know, pastor a church of, you know, a thousand people in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I need to talk like him and walk like him and dress like him. And no, no, 
Look what, look what Peter writes now, another follower of Jesus, but look what he writes to us. Two other things I want us to see about responding to God's call. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. So we know it looks different. It looks different and see that it's being received by grace. Okay, it's not, it's not that we offer anything. It's, everything is given to us by, by His grace as a gift. And then what, what Peter does is he divides responding to God's call into two parts, into two kind of broad categories. And I want us to look at those just briefly today and hope it'll be a challenge to you. Look what he says. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength. I'm sorry, I skipped, didn't I? Let me go back. As God stewards of very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. I want us to see as we, as we, as we marvel at the call of God to be part of what He's doing, as we understand that it will always be sacrificial and relational, I want you to see that it can look like two different categories. Two different categories. And they are both opportunities to glorify God and to honor Him. And they're both a privilege to be part of. One is serving. Serving. He says, the one who serves, you serve with all of your strength. So this is doing. This is investing my energy to provide the force behind the work of God in the world. Do you hear what I just said there? It's investing your energy to provide the force behind the work of God in the world. What does that look like? It looks like chairs. looks like guitars. looks like running games with kids. looks like coffee back there. looks like passing an offering plate. looks like dropping something in the offering plate. looks like praying in a prayer closet in the back of the school. looks like leading meetings. looks like administrating details. Looks like pulling a trailer around Berkeley County. Looks like pushing snow and mowing grass and pushing carts. Serving. This is one of the ways that we respond to God's call. And if that's you, you serve with the strength of God and the plan of God. You serve in the way that we're doing it here by the strength that God supplies so that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Now, I wanted to take that one first because most of us think of the second one when we think of what it means to respond to the call. And that is speaking. Whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. What is that? That's a second category responding to God's call. And some of you, God has gifted you in the way of communication. And, and you are prepared either by God's miraculous gifting or your background or your training or whatever. You're prepared to tell people about what God has done. This looks like teaching and evangelizing and preaching. And what, what we're seeing here is, if that's what God has called you to, if you look at your life and you say, yeah, that's me, you speak the very oracles of God. Not your ideas. Mm-mm. The oracles of God. I think what we need to see here, though, is this. Here's how God is going to build on the foundation. Remember we said that? 
Paul, wise architect, he laid the foundation. Somebody else is building upon it. Somebody, and that's okay with the follower of Christ. Well, how are they going to build? How are they going to build? Relationally, sacrificially. How else are they going to build? They're going to build with the strength it takes for the force to perform God's actions and with the word of God. This is how it happens. So it's an invitation for us today. It's an invitation. And it's a question. What are you building? Where are you investing? What's first? Are you in the fog of the valley? It's all about you and what you see right in front of you. Or maybe right now, as God put you in a vehicle, driven you up the hill, and now you're up there above all the cloud. And you say, you know what? By God's grace, He's called to me. And I'm to build upon the foundation that is Jesus Christ. So I will relate and I will sacrifice and I will serve and I will speak. And God will get the glory in order that everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's the invitation. I can't make you do it. But today you're being invited. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your grace. You love us, Lord, with an everlasting love that wakes up every morning with new mercies. Father, I pray for for those that are in the fog of the valley. And Lord, I pray that you would rise our eyes up, raise them up to see where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. Lord, may we invest in what you're doing. May we this week, this day, may we see opportunities to serve or to speak. May we see opportunities to sacrifice and to relate. Lord, to build upon the foundation that is Jesus Christ. We need no legacy. We need no credit because we only point to you. Thank you, Lord, for the invitation again. Thank you. Now, Lord, go with us. May we today live for your glory. May we leave this place and go to focus groups and relate to one another. May we leave this place and go into our worlds that we, that we operate in through the week, the community that we have, and, and live out your call as your building your purpose-filled building, accomplishing your work here on earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.